yeah, I was, I was um, kind of debating, not debating, uh, in the face of God, asking the Lord, hey, where should we go? I was thinking there's so many other nuances to being a prophetic people that we could have covered. We could have talked about the gifts of prophecy, how, how we begin to massage that into our personal life. And, and I, I obviously want to continue to do those things, but I, I felt as God was moving us into deeper into 2021, um, he was kind of just switching gears just a bit. Um, and it was really confirmed in, in our weekend with TK. And anytime we have, you know, an apostolic gift come into the life of the church, you know, we really need to, to hear and heed uh, what the Spirit of God is saying through those gifts when they come through. And um, I had already had this, this series on my heart. Uh, and then TK used this phrase a few times in his preach. And I said, okay, Lord, that's where we're headed. And so we are starting a new series this morning called All In. And can you, can you, say, can you say All In? All In. So I want to tell you a small story. Um, 22 years ago yesterday, v Vanessa and I shared some vows, right? And so uh, they went a little something like this, right? Jody, will you have this woman to be your wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance in, in the holy state of matrimony? Will you love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health and forsaking all others? Keep thee only unto her as long as you both shall live. So I actually don't remember the exact vows that we exchanged because that was just a hectic day. <clears throat> but I know we wanted the traditional and these are, these are the gist of what, what, what we shared. At that moment, 22 years ago, I knew that I was all in. I knew that I was all in. Now we had made preparation. We knew we were getting married. We had all the dresses and the suits and the church and everything. We, you, you, we prepare for this. And in word... I was saying I was all in, but it, that, that, that actual moment of being all in took place when I said yes. When those vows were exchanged and I had committed myself to something greater, greater than myself. I knew I was all in. And, and, and it, would, it would be all in for eternity as long as I was on this earth. And that's a serious thing when you think about it. When you think, when you say yes in marriage, you're, you're, you're saying yes forever until Jesus comes home or until death do us part, right? It's, it's, it's a commitment that we make. And, and that all-in feeling, man, it, it could be overwhelming. But it can also bring clarity when it comes to the eternal things of God. It can bring clarity. When you know you're all-in, here's, here's something that, that I think is awesome. All other options fall to the wayside. All other options fall to the wayside. Part of those vows is forsaking all others. So when I said yes to Vanessa, I knew that all other options were no longer an option. She was going to be the only option for me for the rest of time. And I think there's moments in our walk with Jesus that we have to have these all-in moments with him. Where all other options fall to the wayside, Right? When I said I was all in, what that meant in that moment was all other women would be forsaken for the rest of my life. It meant the responsibility of provider, protector, and priest would be the new mantle that I would wear until death do us part. 
I committed to be a father to our son, Jordan. I committed to be a father to our baby girl who was on the way. Yes, Vanessa was pregnant before we got married. But it was still a sense of me before God in the presence of the witnesses and my new wife that I was going to be all in. Some of you guys know exactly what this felt like. This all in moment in my life meant that my life would never be the same. It would never be the same. You see, all in moments could, could seem like, like they're, they're, they're fleeting moments, but in God, they're not fleeting moments. In God, they're defining moments. They're moments that define us. They're moments that, that we actually do a pivot. In, and I don't know if you've ever seen a pivot. It's just you actually change direction because you're all in, right? And so there's a, a when you do a, like a right face or, or something, you're actually changing directions, right? It's just you see a stark difference. It defines you when you go all in. And I believe that every believer should be able to identify their all-in moment with Jesus. I believe every believer should be able to trace back an all-in moment that you said yes to Jesus and that your life actually made a pivot. You were going in one direction and you chose before all heaven and Jesus himself that you were all-in and things changed forever. It was a defining moment for your life. If you haven't had that defining moment, I really believe today is going to be an opportunity for you. I really believe today is going to be an opportunity for you. If your life looks like it did before you encountered Jesus, I dare say that maybe you haven't had an all-in encounter with him yet. Because when we truly have an all-in encounter with Jesus, we don't look the same. We do not look the same. I also believe that as believers... All-in moments are not isolated events. And if you've been serving Jesus for, for two days, you know this. Because isolated events mean that, hey, I said all into Jesus today, and that settles it forever. How, how many of you know, especially for you husbands, that if you, if you said I love you to your wife, and then 20 years later, she asked, hey, how come you haven't said I love you anymore? And then you said something like, well, I told you I love you when we got married. I'll let you know when I change my mind. How many of you know that wouldn't go pretty well? And it's the same with the Lord. Our all-in moments aren't just, hey, I said yes to Jesus 20 years ago, but my life has never changed and I'm continuing to do the same thing. All-in moments are, are, are moments that we pearl together that string a lifestyle of being all-in. And there's these different seasons in our life that we have to continuously say, I am all-in Jesus. It's part of the sanctification process. Because when you said yes to Jesus, yes, you were saying, yes, I am all in to you for giving me of all of my sins. And yes, I'm repenting for those sins. I am turning my, my, my self away from those sins and choosing to turn towards you. But being all in for that is kind of an easy thing if you really break it down. Because Jesus did all the work. I'm all in for that. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm all in for that. There's these all-in moments that we have to string together that, that create an all-in lifestyle. As believers, there are different seasons in our lives, and those different seasons um, that we face these decisions to continuously be all-in. Moments like confessing Jesus Christ is Lord is an all-in moment. It's an all-in moment. You are saying, I am no longer the Lord of my own life, that he is the Lord of my life. It's an all-in moment. 
an all-in moment is being baptized in the presence of witnesses and saying, I am dying to my old self and I'm being resurrected, a new creature in Christ. That's an all-in moment. An all-in moment is facing addiction and maybe showing up to your first AA meeting. That's an all-in moment. An all-in moment is answering the call of God in your life. An all-in moment is deciding to tithe for the first time. An all-in moment is breaking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend to stop a sin pattern that you guys are involved in. An all-in moment is, is, is moving to another nation just because God said so. An all-in moment is planting a church. An all-in moment is choosing not to abort a baby. An all-in moment is single mother saying, I will raise this child on my own. An all-in moment is adopting a baby, fostering a baby. An all-in moment is asking your girlfriend to be your wife. An all-in moment is stepping onto an eldership team. An all-in moment is signing up for college for the first time. An all-in moment is preaching to the gospel to anyone and everyone who will listen. An all-in moment is choosing to be a Raider fan. (laughs) I had to throw that in there. I know I was throwing some big things out there. Listen, Scripture... Scripture is full of men and women who were faced with all-in moments. Full of men and women who were faced with all-in moments. And this morning, I want to focus on one of the nameless ones in Scripture. If you guys have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Luke chapter 7. This is a nameless woman. She has one of the most all-in moments that we will read in Scripture. It's so significant. I, just, I, want to, I want to read uh, through it, break some stuff down, give us some pointers, and uh, get you guys home early enough to barbecue for that Super Bowl. And none of you have the right to root for any of them, because I haven't seen any of those jerseys around here. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, d- don't do it, Danny. <laughs> Luke chapter 7 says this, uh, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. How many of you know that Jesus was a relational man? How many of you know that Jesus believed in dining in a room, uh, uh, um, the, uh, ecclesiology, meaning that this is how we build, right? We build across dining room tables. And so, gosh, these things are bad. Hold on one sec. Ah, just my glasses keep falling. I'm hated. I wish this was a Baptist church. You guys would have some hankies. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Jesus was a relational man. He, He connected with people on a personal level. Listen to this. The religious and the sinner alike. And we have to be comfortable with that as well as as a people of God. We have to be willing to hang out with the saints and the sinners. This man was a Pharisee. He was one of the religious teachers of the time. It says, when a certain immoral woman, what kind of woman? An immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him. And I want us to get this picture. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. 
Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and listening to this, putting perfume on them. And so we have to have to get the picture here. Here, here's this religious leader in the, in the Jewish community. He invites Jesus to come and participate in a feast. Jesus is the guest of honor. We have to know at, at, at this season, man, Jesus' ministry is beginning to take off. The people are beginning to ask questions and be filled with awe about the power in which Jesus is ministering. And so this, this, this Pharisee, his name was Simon, invites Jesus to this meal and invites a bunch of people to be a part of that meal as well. It was a cultural thing. We have a rabbi amongst us who is operating in power and authority that we've never seen before. Let's check him out. Bring him over. Let's have a meal with him. Let's, let's, let's seek what we're trying to find. So Simon wasn't a believer, but he was a seeker, right? So he invites Jesus as a guest of honor. There were many people there. And this this scenario provided an all-in moment for this woman. Provided an all-in moment for this woman. This is what we know about her. We aren't told what this woman's sin is, but she is called an immoral woman. Tradition would tell us that she was probably a prostitute. To carry that kind of repetition, or, uh, reputation, we, 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 can, we can logically conclude, and most scholars believe, that she was a prostitute. The expensive perfume she carried is believed to have been something called nard. And nard was in such an expensive perfume or such an expensive uh, kind of herb that was used uh, for anointing and as a perfume that what she was carrying in this alabaster jar, they believed was ex- cover the expenses of a year's salary. A year's salary. What we also can conclude by this story is that this woman had somehow already had an encounter with Jesus. She had already had an encounter with Jesus. There's no way that she would have come to this act that she was about to perform on Jesus without already knowing who he was and what he was capable of. She knew that he was capable of forgiving her of her sins. She knew that he had had power and authority to free her of her past. And so she, she took advantage of this all-in opportunity. She knew there was going to be a mass of guests there. She knew it was going to be a dinner party. And here's the crazy thing. She was able to sneak up behind Jesus. And I had to, I had to look into this because I, I think of how we eat, right? We eat at tables and like our, our feet are, are normally in front of us. And the way the Jews used to eat uh, in, in the first century is they would, they would lounge. There would be a, a low table and they would actually kind of lean and eat and their legs would be kicked up and kind of like kicked up behind them. Have you ever, what are those, um, those, those lounge chairs? Are they called a chase? Is that what, what, are, they, what are they called? Right? And, and you kind of like lay sideways. And so as Jesus is eating, she just comes up behind him and begins to minister to him. She begins to weep. And she begins to cry and her tears begin to fall on the feet of Jesus. And then she begins to wipe her tears from his feet with her hair. And then she begins to anoint his feet with this expensive perfume that cost a year's salary. Can you imagine dropping 40K on Jesus' feet? She was willing to 
risk everything. She was a, a woman who had encountered Jesus before. She's a woman who had heard a message of repentance. This was her all-in moment. The, 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 the Pharisees had the ability to stone this woman. This could have very easily become a life and death situation for her. And yet she still took advantage of it. She would risk everything. Listen, friends, to be close to Jesus. She would risk everything to be close to Jesus. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself. And some other version would say he said it in his own mind. Right. He said in his, to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Isn't that amazing? Jesus answered his thoughts. I mean, can you imagine thinking something and someone calling you out on it like immediately on the spot? Oh, Lord. That's what's dangerous about a prophetic culture. That's, a dang- that's what's dangerous about even having spiritual gifts. There's times you, you can't hide things. Like if the Lord wants to reveal something, he'll reveal it. And Jesus calls this Pharisee to the carpet. It's like, what's that you said? Huh? Nothing? Nothing? <laughs> Our kids do that, right? Our kids mumble on the room. What? Nothing? <laughs> Jesus answered his thoughts and he said, Simon. He said to the Pharisee, I got something to say to you. I have something to say to you. And then Jesus, not like he does so often, he doesn't just take Simon to school. He takes the whole party to school. A lot of the guys in the military who were in the military, you would know this, or guys who played sports, right? When one guy messes up, everyone's got to pay for it, right? One guy messes up, you're all going to get a lesson and you're all going to start doing drills because one guy needs to get the point. And this is what Jesus does to Simon. He's all right. I got something to say to you, Simon. Why don't you sit down? Let me, let me give you a little lesson. And Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both. Listen to this. He kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. He forgave both the 50 and the 500, canceling both their debts. And then he asked this question, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose. Now he's using earthly logic. He's using carnal logic, right? He's okay. Well, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. I love how Jesus helps us draw the right conclusion. (laughs) That's right. The one whose debt was larger. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, listen to this, friends. You didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, which was culturally the thing to do when a rabbi came into your home. One of your maidservants would come to him and would wash his feet as a sign of respect. Jesus didn't get that. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, which was a biblical thing to do. 
which we see so many times in the Old Testament where, where those who were followers of Yahweh would greet each other with a brotherly kiss. Some would say brotherly, some would say a heavenly kiss. We see kind of cultures do that. The French, I mean, Hispanics do it. We, we, we kiss each other on the, on the cheek. There, it was a holy thing. And Jesus says, I didn't get that in this place either. But she washed them with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time, listen to this, from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Good Lord. Not my cheek, my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. You see, friends, we're, we're looking at two frames of thought, two approaches to Jesus. We're seeing a religious approach and we're seeing a personal approach of a life affected by who he is, a relational approach. Verse 47 says this, I tell you, her sins, listen to this. Jesus isn't, is not acknowledging that she's a, not a sinful woman. He's not saying that. Jesus isn't pretending. Jesus isn't, isn't, isn't um, not addressing what these people are so uptight about. Listen to this. I tell you, her sins, and there are many. Man, what a point. And there are many have been forgiven. They've been forgiven. Which means what? Because I, 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 we have to pay attention to this. This woman didn't pray a prayer of repentance in this room. This woman had already repented before she entered the presence of Jesus. It's what allowed her to enter so freely. It's what allowed her to become a worshiper. Because you cannot become a worshiper until you're a repenter. She began to worship Jesus. She had already repented. And so Jesus says her sins have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, listen to this. So he's telling Simon she's already been forgiven. But then he makes a point to turn to her and tell her with his words. You, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Her all-in moment paid off. Her all-in moment, everything that she risked, everything that she risked culturally, everything she wished, her own personal shame, her, her, her own pride, everything she risked to step into this room and, and wash the master's feet with her tears in her hair and, and, and to anoint with this expensive stuff that she had accumulated, paid off. Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? No revelation. No revelation. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Not this act. Your faith has saved you. And Jesus was, I believe, actually saying that you were saved before you even came into this room. Your faith has saved you. So we see who are the players in this story. We see Jesus. 
And this is what I love about Jesus. No one can spot potential like Jesus can. Listen to me. No one can spot potential like Jesus. Jesus was a prophet. Yes, Jesus was God, but there was so much prophetic in, in, in all that Jesus did. I like, what, I, I like what, um, what Mark Batterson writes. He says this, potential is God's gift to us. What we do with that potential is our gift back to God. Jesus has the ability to prophetically see past the past. I was wrestling with that phrase, past the past, because I didn't know if it was a double S past, past the past. Anyways, you guys can mess with that. Jesus has the ability to see past the sin. Jesus had the ability to recognize true repentance. And most importantly, Jesus had the authority to forgive. Only Jesus has that authority. It's amazing to me how in religious circles, we think we have the authority to forgive people's sins. We think that that's our responsibility is whether or not we're going to forgive people of their sins. That's Jesus' authority. Jesus gave the woman something to live up to. He gave her something to live up to. And because that's what prophets do, right? They see past and they lift people up. The Pharisees did the exact opposite. And so then we see Jesus, and, we, and then we see Simon the Pharisee. Simon, Simon, on the other hand, didn't have the ability to lift her up. He, he labeled her. He labeled this woman. He, he got a big old sinner label and he plastered that thing right on her forehead. This woman's a sinner. And you know where he did it? In his heart. And Jesus calls him out on it. He even criticized the Lord. He criticized the Lord in his heart about her. If he was a true prophet, if he was really a prophet, how many times do we do that when we look at the grace of God on someone else's life? And we're like, if they really knew what that person was like, what kind of prophet is he? The Pharisee and his companions canceled this woman on sight. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, cancel this cancel culture that we're experiencing today like never before. Cancel culture. We criticize the world for their practice of cancel culture. They do things like, if you don't, if, if you don't think like me, you're canceled. You don't vote like me, you're canceled. If you're not pro-choice like me, you're canceled. And you just go on, right? But listen to me, friends. The religious have been practicing cancel culture since Jesus' day. You're a sinner, canceled. You hang out with sinners, canceled. You speak in tongues, canceled. You don't speak in tongues, canceled. You have tattoos, canceled. Cancel culture, it's all over the place. And I'm telling you, it's ungodly and we shouldn't be participating in it because God did not um, create cancel culture. The only thing that Jesus has canceled is your debt. Thank you, Lord, for canceling our debt. I'm going to brutalize this uh, saying right here, but it says this. It's a, it's a Latin phrase. Summum just es summum injuria. And this is what it means. The law stretched into rigor becomes unjust. The Apostle Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. And so when we're, when we're seeing people through the letters of the law, 
we injure people. We need to see people through the spirit of the law. Through the spirit of the law. And so we see this balance between the pharisaical approach to this woman and the prophetic approach to this woman. Right? The Pharisees treat people based on performance. Prophetic people treat people based on potential. The Pharisees only see the past. Prophetic people look towards a bright future. Pharisees look down on people. Prophetic people lift up people. Pharisees see sin. Prophetic people see the image of God in others. Pharisees give up on people. Prophetic people give people second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Why? Because it's been given to us. Pharisees label people sinners. Prophetic people declare people forgiven. Pharisees put people in boxes. Prophetic people set people free. Pharisees place sinners in the cheap seats. Prophetic people like Jesus let you come into the dugout. <laughs> come and spend some time with me. And then we see this sinful woman, right? We see Jesus, we see Simon, this Pharisee, and then we see this sinful woman. She was a broken woman. She was a broken woman, a woman recognized by her sin. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in a small town, being recognized only for your sin? Some of you guys have experienced this in church. Oh, you're the person that... Recognized by her sin, labeled by her sin, notorious for her sin. But this is what she does right in this story. She allowed her faith to overcome her fear. She took on a posture of humility. She was willing to risk humiliation. She took the place of a maidservant. This is amazing to me. There should have been a maidservant who waited on Jesus as the guest of honor in that Pharisee's home. And she wasn't provided. And you know what this woman prophetically did? I'll take that place. I'll take that place. I'll wash his feet. I'll I'll anoint Jesus of Nazareth. She, She was willing to risk humiliation. She took the place of a servant. She had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And she went all in. She went all in. I mean, if you think about it, she was a party crasher. How many of you guys have ever crashed a party? Mexicans do it all the time. Most of you should raise your hands, right? (laughs) She went all in. Look at her life. Before Christ, she used her body as an instrument of sin. In her all-in moment, she used her body as an instrument of worship. Before Christ, she used perform, or I'm sorry, she used perfume to cover up the stench of sin. In her all-in moment, she now uses her perfume to anoint the feet of Jesus. Before Christ, she painted her face to appeal to men. In her all-in moment, her tears washed away this facade that she had been wearing for so long. Before Christ, her hair was used to attract men. Now it's used to wash the feet of Jesus. The psalmist writes in Psalms 51, verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. 
you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. There was no way that Jesus was going to reject this woman. She was broken. She was repentant. And she was all in. And she knew somehow by the Spirit of God that if she would just take this chance, that it would be her defining moment that would change her forever. You will not reject the broken and the repentant heart. Thank you, Lord. James would write this in James chapter 4. He says, and he gives grace graciously, as the scriptures say. Listen to this, friends. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then this is his encouragement to, to the church. This isn't his encouragement to the sinner. This is encouragement to the church because he's writing to the Jerusalem church. So humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. He's given us an assurance that if you choose to go all in for Jesus, that he's not going to reject you. If you choose to to, to enter into the courts of Jesus, you're not going to be rejected. If you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. This sinful woman had a revelation of that somehow. And it's only God given. It's only by the spirit of the Lord that we're able to cry Abba. It's only by the spirit of the Lord that she was able to enter into that room with full confidence. That Jesus would accept her. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And listen to this. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You see, he's trying to provoke another all-in moment for these believers. Yes, you might know Jesus. Yes, you might be walking with Jesus. But I'm telling you, you've lost your way in some way. Resist the devil and he will flee. Your hearts and your loyalty are divided between God and the world. Verse 9, let there be tears. What does that sound like? (laughs) Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Listen to this, friends. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Man, Jesus took those Pharisees to school on behalf of that sinful woman. And these men who thought they were right and these men who thought they were righteous and these men who thought that they had every right to condemn that woman, Jesus said, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And now you're free. Go in peace. And when you think about this, You think about the authority of Jesus, Emmanuel, God on earth. Go in peace. This is kind of what it feels like to me. None of you are allowed to touch her. She gets to go in peace. She gets to go in peace. Without retribution, without condemnation, without anything that you want to inflict upon her, she gets to go in peace. Humble yourself before the Lord and he 
will lift you up in honor. My questions for us this morning is have you had your going all in moment with Jesus? Have you gone all in with Jesus in this way? Have you surrendered your life to him in such a way that there was no turning back to your past life? There was no turning back into into who you were before this moment. Elisha burned his plows and killed his oxen when God called him. Why did he do that? Because he was eliminating his former life. He was eliminating his options. The old song sings like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world's behind me and the cross is before me. The world's behind me and the cross is before me. The world is behind me. The cross is before me. No turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. This is all in, friends. This is the Christian walk. This is what a sacrificial life looks like. All in for the one who was all in. And his name's Jesus. For those of you who know Jesus this morning, simple question. Are you still all in? Are you still all in? I'm not questioning your salvation. I don't want you to question your salvation. I just want you to be able to answer this simple question. Are you still all in? Are you still able to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord? Maybe you were back then, but the question is, are you now all in? Have you ever been all in? Today's your day. You're never ready to go all in. You got to leap. <laughs> you have to jump. I tell you guys that story all the time when we had to jump off a three-story tower into the Olympic-sized pool, and I just wasn't having it. First time I got to the edge, my, my knees buckled and they're like, you're not ready. Get to the back of the line. So my all-in moment had to look very unorthodox to the rest of everyone else. Everyone just did this nice little and go into the pool. For me, I did this Hail Mary off the thing. I jumped off and then my body began to contort sideways and I did the biggest body flop you ever seen. That's what my all-in moment looked like. Some of us need to jump off with reckless abandonment. It's not going to look pretty. It's not going to look like the guy next to you. 
It's not going to be, look like the, the, the girl next to you. It's not going to look like your husband. It's not going to look like your wife. It's not going to look like your peers. It's your all-in moment. And for those of you, maybe even online or in this room, if you don't know Jesus, today is the opportunity for your first all-in moment. Today is a day for you to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and allow him to lift you up. And if that's you, I'd love to lead you through prayer this morning. If you guys wouldn't mind standing. wouldn't mind just closing your eyes take this moment to just do a do a quick spiritual inventory I wish you guys were here all of you were here during I know most of you are here but I wish all of you were here for our prayer this morning before service because I I really believe it set the stage the Lord loves you and the God of heaven was willing to go all in for you without any guarantee that you would ever go all in for him You know what's beautiful is that he patiently waits. He patiently waits and he beckons you by his spirit have to look to the right to the left you you look you look to Jesus whether you've been forgiven of a small debt or the largest debt could, that could be imagined both of those debts have separated you from a relationship with Christ And all you have to do is take that ticket of redemption and go redeem it. He's given it to you. This is your ticket. All you have to do is redeem it. And there starts your all-in moment. If you've never said yes to Christ, and you would like to do that this morning, I would love for you to just raise your hand so I could pray with you. Amen. Amen. And I would love for you to just pray this prayer with me in your heart. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, thank you for loving me before I ever knew you. you for forgiveness 
forgiveness of my sins and my past. I choose today to live for you. Give me the strength, Lord, to go all in. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for receiving your daughters wholeheartedly, without question, without any asterisks, without any, any, any sub-columns, wholehearted, full-fledged, accepted into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And for the rest of us, I really believe that the Lord is providing us a new season of all in. I believe that the season that we have been in has allowed us to go on cruise control, to put it into neutral. And some of us maybe have fallen into carnality, if not full-blown sin. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And I'm not saying that to bring condemnation. The Bible says all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another version would say fall short of his glorious standard. That's each of us. But this morning, can you say, Lord, I want to be all in again. I want to know what that feels like again, Lord. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be half in and half out, God. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to even play that game anymore. I want to be all in, God. So like that woman, I can be free and live this life with you in peace. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just lift your hands to the Lord. And listen. Your sons, your daughters, I don't need to say this prayer for you. You humble yourself before the Lord. You pray your all-in prayer. I'm not asking you to make promises and, 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 and oaths that you can't keep. I want you to just pray to the Lord. You pray your all-in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for, for being able to reset. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity, the in the spirit to, 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 to press control, alt, delete, and get a reboot. Thank you, Jesus, for the, for the oceans of grace that you wash us with, that you wash us with. Thank you, Jesus, that we have the ability to humble ourselves in your sight and that you will lift us up. I just feel like the Lord is just wanting to, to lift those things off you, those burdens, those any shame, any guilt. The Lord just wants to lift it up. He wants to lift it and break it off you. Be free and go in peace because the God of heaven loves you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that I get to be all in without question without question and other people other people might might be judging my all in Lord but I, I don't care I don't care if other people judge my all in God I'm all in for you not for them and like that woman I, I don't care about the ridicule I don't care about the labels I don't care about the questions in their hearts Jesus you know our hearts only you could judge the heart of man Lord I pray for the freedom for your sons and daughters in this place to be all in without question without condemnation. Thank you, Lord.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. How many believe God is good? God is good. God is good. Man, how many of you are all in? (laughs) You can be. You can be. Listen, don't let the devil rob you. Don't let the devil rob you of anything, any decisions in your heart that you've made or anything the Lord has done today. Don't let the devil rob you. You're going to walk out these doors and the devil's going to tell you, you're not really all in, are you? James encouraged us in that same last portion of scripture that I read. Resist the devil and he will flee. Don't fall for his tricks and don't allow him to lie to you. You continue to be all in. If you fall down and scrape your knees, get back up. You get back up and you keep moving forward. That's what grace is. That's what grace is. Hey, we love you guys. Have a great day. Hope you're able to enjoy your families. Watch the big game. Um, Whoever you're rooting for, I hope they win. Um, We'll see you next week, Sunday. Uh, Ladies, don't forget Tuesday, 730. You guys have a meeting. Have, Have a great weekend. Bye.